Greetings, every person and all persons. You are standing at the precipice of an added episode of 20th Century Pop, a podcast wherein attempts are made to better grasp our current understanding via the pop culture we once embraced previously. This particular episode is an uncovered mystery as the audio that follows was once thought lost to the digital ages due to, um, a failure to pay a monthly hosting fee. Oops. But nearly half a decade after its initial airing, we've managed to unearth these very sounds that once played from a third-generation iPod Nano. Join us now as we venture past this bit of a lengthy hyperbole. Hyperbole? Hyperbole. This lengthy hyperbole. And dive right into almost the entirety of Bob and Tim's long-lost podcast episode about Kevin Smith's Clerks. Like growing up, I thought maybe if I was still in my hometown, you know, my elementary school friends, we would have kids in the same school. But, you know, you move away, you don't think you're going to have, you know, you're going to be meeting new people. But all these people I went to college with pretty much live in the same area because, you know, we went to Emerson, which is, you know, an entertainment kind of college. And everybody moved out to L.A. and we ended up all in the same area. Now I'm going to. My my kids are going to the same elementary school that my sketch comedy college troop kids are going to. It's just very very odd. No, and it's probably partial to yeah. It's Los Angeles or Los Angeles adjacent. What town are you in? You're in Burbank. Yeah, so I mean that's probably a big part of it too. That is bizarre to me though to think back, and that's I am trying to make a segue into talking about Clerk. So I'm going to try with this if I could. Um, it's just weird that twenty the. Like seeing you right now, I'm kind of in my head seeing 20 years ago, 10 years, I guess 20 to 15 years ago together. Um, same with these people. And it is odd to project forward that you all have kids. Do they seem supportive? Like, do you talk to them about the idea of doing your comic strip and things like that? Are they, and are the, any of them suffering similar things? Or are they all in the business, so to speak? No, they're, they're all in the business. They all put their all into it back in the day and, and uh, struggled through. Uh, they're all in the business. Um, they're either writing or uh, in production. And I'm, I'm guess I'm in the business. I do post production with closed captioning, um, but uh, I'm not in the creative end. And a lot of those guys are in the creative end. Um, but is it other people's creative work? Like I know, like Brent, for example, wrote uh, Mastermind. Was he wrote an Me- anime? Megamind. So that's something he wrote. But how many people, I guess, that you're in touch with from Emerson are doing their projects, like something that they came up with or they're invested in versus the job of being creative? Uh, A good amount of them. A good good amount. Uh, Steve Skaya uh, writes for Limitless. Um, He's writing his own stuff as well. Uh, Brian Shukoff and Kevin Chesley are writing partners, and and they're creating their own stuff. They had a pilot that they had produced. Um, Brent is still being creative and writing his own stuff. Um, now, is that a route you'd want to do? Like, would you want to be working on someone's show? Would you want to be... Because, like, the comic strip is all you. It's your life. Yeah. It's your I, angle. And also, comic strips aren't, unless you're Garfield, aren't drawn by multiple people. They're pretty much a one-person-person thing. 
I I really enjoy doing the comic strip. I really enjoy that it's just my responsibility. I don't have to answer to anybody else about it. Um, it's it's again. I mean, I'm only like you know having drawn doodling and, and comic strips off and on for the past 20 years. Um, I only feel like I've just started because I've only done like eight of these with these characters. Um, but you had a comic strip before too. You've done stuff online before, right? Am I yeah, I had a, the, the All Boxed In, which was the um, out of work comic strip characters comic strip. <laughs> um, and that was a lot of fun too, but it's, I did that I can't remember if I started that before Lily was born or just soon after she was born. Uh, but as she got older, uh, you know, that just takes over your life. It's just, and the thing I think that I'm relating to is there is this depression that comes out of the job. I was curious if your other friends have that, like friends of yours in the business, to call it that, are, that are writing, I guess to write for say limitless, if they enjoy what they're writing, that's good. And I guess that's the goal, but it's not necessarily, it's their story. So they are writing. I guess what I'm wondering is with the creative output, because I think you have your comic strip that you're working on, the depression really does come from the real world job kind of thing, like the pursuit of a career. And and, and for some reason that having to define you, which is like, I mean, do you consider yourself defined by your job? Do you consider yourself defined maybe by your family or by your comic strip? Um, Right now I, I I consider myself defined by my family, by, by fatherhood. Um, That's taken over my life in a good way. Uh, I absolutely love it. I love my girls to death. Um, And that's sort of how I see myself. And then as an offshoot of that, I think the comic strip is, is sort of, because it's about my family, because it's about me, uh, that's starting to become uh, more of a definition of, of who I am. Um, and that's part of why the, the job became so problematic uh, and stressful. It, it overtook my life. It became something, I, I mean, I was putting in 16 hours a day, four days in a row, you know, five days in a row, weekends. Um, and I, I just kept, it, it was really hard to accept that that's what my life was becoming when it's not what I wanted it to be. Well, let's use that then as the jumping off point, because I think the movie we're going to talk about, Clerks, has an echo of that. I know it's a little forced just to make the conversation, but there is something in that movie about definitions of who we are, job versus a different person. And I think one of the reasons I thought we could talk about Clerks was that was a pretty impactive movie to me, when it came out, I mean, they're 20 year, you know, this is, they were 20 year old characters. We were nearing our 20s when it came out. Now we're 40 year old people dealing with similar issues in a different way. Um, so just to set it, the scene a little bit, I guess, the, the, the movie is Clerks. It came out in 1994. Um, we were both at Emerson College. I was probably 19, you're probably 20, um, right? We're roughly the right age, 1994 ish. Yeah. I think so, because I think I saw it the summer after my freshman year, our freshman year. As did I, but I do remember, I think it was in front of Pulp Fiction, we saw a trailer for it. That was like the first time I saw any clips. I don't know if you remember that as well. I don't remember that. I remember when we saw Pulp Fiction, that was one of my favorite movie-going experiences, um, because we were sophomores. Because we were Fensgate. Yes, we would have been, you're right, yeah. And uh, I remember we woke up and we just decided to go like it was very last minute kind of a weird didn't shower just went to the movies that's um, how i go to work now but yeah that's true yeah 
Um, I work in food, by the way. Coffee wow, food. yeah. I thought I was younger when I saw Clerks, but I guess... I don't know. I'm trying I noticed to... it during the summer because I saw it when I was at home. Yeah, I saw it on video after it came out. 1994, yeah, I guess, true. when it came out, because like Pulp Fiction was coming out, Clerks came out. That What you're describing a little bit about the experience of going to the movie, I think 93, 94, movies kind of overtook my life. We were living in the city. We were very close to movie theaters. And being at Emerson College, it was kind of a time where just you were inundated with movies. There were free passes to movies. Everyone talked about movies. I mean, it seemed to be uh, um, a language of the time. And so the cinema, big screen cinema and all of that, did have this kind of exciting feel to it. You know, the whole process of getting there, as you just described, and actually being there, and Pulp Fiction being a movie unlike anything I'd ever seen before, that whole day is kind of like an emotional... Like it was an exhausting day, but in, a, in an energetic, good way. And I do remember right before it, there was the trailer for Clerks, which, you know, you can see it online, but black and white, grainy footage. I remember in watching it thinking it was possibly a documentary because it just looked like, oh, this is, it looked like it could be security camera footage or dirty camera footage. Like it didn't seem that pristine. It didn't seem that polished. And I was interested enough because I felt like I could relate to that kind of a job. But the movie kind of came, and I think it went pretty quickly. And like you said, it wasn't till the summer. Um, I saw it on VHS, on v VCR, I guess. And uh, kind of immediately related to it. Like, what was your initial take in seeing it? What, what did you feel? Um, yeah, I remember it being, a, it grew on me slowly as I was watching it. Uh, I remember I at that time I was working a summer job and uh, there was an old rinky dink uh, video store and I was going there probably every Friday night you know picking up something and I picked that one up not really remember I don't remember seeing the the trailer I don't remember how I knew about the movie but I did in some weird way and I watched it just alone on a, you know one of those old TVs that also had the VCR built in um, and when I started watching it, it took me a little while to get used to it because, like you're saying, it is sort of it's different than what we were used to, you know, in, in pristine, you know, well, you know, not that it wasn't well made, but, you know, uh, um, it was independent. It was just, you know, little pieces put together, not great actors necessarily. No, it was a very dirty looking and sounding film, I think. To yeah. Agree. Yeah, and so once I got used to that aesthetic, though, as I was watching it, it just it grew on me, and I absolutely loved it um, in that moment. And I hated that. I didn't hate, but it was like it was weird to be alone watching it, since like you were saying, like we were going to movies all the time, and and you know you're in a theater. And it was just weird to be experiencing it uh, by myself and having nobody to talk to about it, and having no one to uh, relate to about it. Um, until we got back to school. I, the similar feeling for, for me too. I, I saw it with a couple friends. There were friends back home in Connecticut because it was the summer and I, I was back home from college. Um, but there was something about seeing it, sitting through it. Like I was immediately, immediately, excuse me, taken to it just cause it seemed very relatable, seemed very approachable. And it is one of those, for me, at least it was that for the time, a, a little bit of a cultural shift in that after that movie, that movie is all I could think and talk about. Like getting back to college was very exciting to talk to people about it, talking to you about it. I think Joe and Chris, both of uh, who worked on, on the Substitute Culture film, both of them had seen it. So like all of us knew of it. And for some reason, coming together, talking about it, it just seemed very relatable and, 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 and very pertinent to that time. 
Um, so I think in looking at it, there, there are those two things to look at is that it was an influential film, I think because of the plot and like the story itself, but also influential because of how it was made, at least to me. Yeah. So there's a kind of two angles. Um, so to talk about the movie itself first and kind of what it's about, I mean, it is a very typical independent film concept in that it's a day in the life. It's all one location pretty much i mean they, they move a little bit and it's about these two characters overly verbose characters um dante and randall both of whom i related to is there a child entering the room no there's oh. a cat oh really oh my okay that's adorable um but in going to the movie i i think there are a lot of it's it's <laughs> there he is there there he goes oh okay um I don't know. I think there are two main characters, Dante and Randall. They both work at the convenience store and the video store. And I think they're a good balance of that kind of almost typical, not to sound sexist, but it's, there's a male friendship in that movie. These are two people who I think overcompensate for their sexuality, overcompensate for their intellectual place in the world, just, just project more than they probably are, but they're good friends and they're, and there's a bonding to that. And also I think to watch them all, to watch them both. They are both characters you can identify with. I think initially I was hoping to be like Randall, who's kind of the more crass, brass, and um, vulgar of the two, more almost like an anarchy-minded individual. But I found myself relating to Dante because he was kind of this put-upon drama queen. Like, the film has a whole theme that's basically about this comfort of um, settling. Like, there's a lot to Dante where he's settling in this job and settling settling in this world around him that just watching it today or re-watching it um, there is something both familiar and strangely sad about that mindset of the twenties of kind of martyrdom and like, you know, I, the world is against me when it, when it's really not. Um, and I think that was striking me at the time. Did the movie feel deep and intellectual when you first saw it or was it more just the broad comedy of it? Um, at the time, I think I was more drawn to the broad comedy of it mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Did you relate to any of the characters more so? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked at a convenience store. I mean, specifically to, to relate to that, I worked at a convenience store for a while. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, just as, as you grow, as you live your life, everything takes on new meanings. And so, yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, um, a, a big part of that film. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a surreal feeling to it. There's everyone in it seems to almost be in on the joke. Like there are a lot of characters that kind of wander in and wander out. Um, and no one is that thrown by the setting, but there is just this sense of a familiar community that is heightened. I think it's not a realist. It's realistic to the point that yes, it's a real store they're in. And yes, it's a day to day existence, but everyone has sort of almost a, um, I don't know, an exaggerated archetype sense. And it was interesting in watching that, that I wanted, I thought I could relate to that, but at the same time, I was trying to recreate that in my own life. Like immediately, immediately after seeing Clerks, I was also working like in a, uh, I worked in a toy store, I worked in a convenience store. And so I thought the movie was speaking to me, but I also found myself trying to replicate the movie so that it related to me more. Like I took on more of their personalities behind the counter. I kind of inflated my idea of what it meant to be to be working there. Did the movie influence you at all? Like socially, like individually, how you talked, did you relate to it because of that? Yeah. I mean, I, it did for sure. Um, and I think a lot of things at that time did, you know, I mean, I think, um, 
at that age, and I mean, it's probably different for everybody, but for me, it's like you're trying to define who you are and, and, and figure that out. And I think things like clerks and, and pop culture in general, it, it helps. It's a shortcut to define you. And if it's like if you recognize something you um, relate to and you like in a, in a movie, you sort of bring that into your life at that time to you know, make it easier for yourself, but for others to kind of understand who you are. So yeah, for, for sure. Uh, what was it in the that. movie that you related to? What was that point? Uh, what's that? What was it in the movie itself that you most related to? Like what made it feel like it was either speaking to you or spoke about you? And I will fill this in with some guitar background music. In post. Yeah, well, I was thinking about that when I was listening to it. It's like, I wonder what music it's going to pick for us. <laughs> <laughs> a love song, I hope. Um, is Wonderwall a love song? Uh, yeah, I suppose yeah, it is. Pop yeah, that yeah. in. Sure. I can put it on right now if you want. I don't know. No, that's quite okay. all right. It's quite all right. Uh, don't, don't use any Oasis I, for no, us. I won't. No, I can also, yeah. I, I will just yeah. get one of them to come to my house. Um, I don't, you know, it's hard. I, I never really thought about it's, I don't consciously, I don't think I consciously was thinking about it. You know, it's like, it's hard for me to, to, it's what I was relating to. It just sort of, it just sort of would, would kind of, you know, like kind of just sort of seep into my life. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, never was one that wanted to uh to make like i wanted to write films at that time but i didn't really want to make films and so i, I approached films sort of differently um i enjoyed the the dialogue of it um i uh, but as for what i related to it's it's more just about the especially at that age because we were very close to that age i was relating just to the, the interactions, the friendship especially, I like that. I mean, that's what I was drawn to, that the, the pairing of those two characters and, and how uh, uh, they were so different but so alike and, and so close. And, um, so that, that stood out. Yeah, because I so wanted to be them. I think there's a, and it doesn't resonate now, but there's a phenomenon or something with like Kevin Smith, the writer and director in his films, I think at least his first three or four films, they have a certain fan base and that fan base begins to dress, talk and act like these characters, I think. And I remember in watching clerks and again, it's because it's a film, but like that countertop in the uh, convenience store was almost stage like, like most of the shots are framed where you see both of them and they're basically performing. And as a movie, of course they're performing to an audience, but to take it to the level that I was seeing it as cashiers, as counter, you know, work, whatever you want to call someone who works that kind of a, a retail job, my thought was, well, I'm going to do a similar performance. It, you know, it glorified that position because it is like a stage and, and, and standing there and having these conversations about pop culture that are actually not as deep as they seem to be. Not There's a theme in the movie where I think it was using Star Wars references and TV references to discuss philosophical concepts, political concepts, but it wasn't as deep probably as it sounded, but because it was these pop culture things, it was immensely relatable. There were things I hadn't necessarily heard in a movie and they sounded so important that this movie influenced how I started talking and, and interacting in front of people because I would try to do these kind of performances. I would try to use my surroundings 
to be, you know, one of these characters. And I think it's because it was such a remedial setting of a convenience store. And because, again, it wasn't a very flashy movie. It was a very grimy movie that it spoke to me similar to the way his next movie, Mallrats, spoke to me, where there was an aspect of my personality or my interests that was um, made into a character. And that character then became who I wanted to be. It was I don't know if this is making sense or it just sounds like a therapy session and narcissistic, but there's something in the movie. And I, I find this with a lot of things that I, I follow or admire. There's a part of me, obviously that I feel it's touching on, but then I take that a step further and I start to try to be the character in the movie. And I think that was happening very much with Dante and Dante's storyline. Like this movie wouldn't impact me now if I saw it for the first time now, but because of when it hit where we were age wise, job wise, it felt like it was telling my life. It wasn't, obviously, very different lifestyles and, and very different people, but it felt like it was telling an aspect of who I was and and the world that I was in and gave an insight to it that no one else could get because I kind of felt like, you know, no one gets me, no one gets us in terms of my circle of friends, yourself, Joe and Chris. And so this movie existing, I thought, one, I could say, like, that's me, that's my friends, but then also I became those people i ripped them off to a degree which you not so much i think you have your own individuality then i'm just wondering did did any of it bleed over into your own life or it was a movie to you you kept it as a movie you didn't have the psychotic break that i just described (laughs) uh no no um i think it did i think other things probably bled into my life more i think um uh, you say I had my own personality, but I, I became more Chandler Bing, you know, than uh, than I probably would have wanted to. Um, so, I mean, I definitely had the same experience. Maybe Senator Chandler other... Bing, was that correct? Oh, Bing, what's from that? TV's Friends? Yes, TV's Friends. Yes. Um, no Netflix. So, so I've had I've had the same experience. Um, maybe not so much with Clerks, um, although um, a lot of that, you know, uh, came out as well. Um, but I, yeah, I think a lot of it's it's sort of like a, like I said, you're, you, a lot of times people have a difficulty defining who they are, and and you you touched on it there. It's like you recognize something in those characters in yourself, and so it's like, oh, these guys are like me, not exactly, but they're a little bit like me. So if I'm more like them, it's easier to define who I am, um, and to help others, you know, it's like, oh. I recognize that if I'm more like that, then other people will recognize who I am more because they'll relate to it. Like I did, you know, maybe, I don't know. It's like, it's shorthand to a degree. Yeah. I feel like you mentioned that earlier. It's like a shorthand and I'm wondering it can happen to music. I'm sure I assume it happens with books, but books seem to be more of a, you know, one-on-one there's no visual to go with it. You experience it in your private time. But I mean, is that healthy? Is that a healthy way to kind of, create a personality out of a piece of art or entertainment? I don't think it, I don't think it's, I think at that time, I think at that age, I think it's okay. You think it's common? Like I know I was reaching for, for a good 10 years from 94 to 2004, I was reaching towards so many personalities. I was Dante and then I was, uh, uh, Jason Lee or, uh, yes, Jason Lee from Mallrats, and I was Paul Westerberg, and I was Richard Hell. Like all these things, I was trying to be with hairstyles, oh, clothes. 
Yeah, it's completely common, especially your styles and clothes. I mean, you can, I mean, even today you look around, it's like everybody's trying to be like whoever's in the, the pop culture that they relate to. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's healthy. Sure. I think so, because it helps you get to where you want to, where you'll end up being, you know, I mean, it changes, uh, like you're saying. And, and, uh, when I first met you, you were Richard Lewis. What's that? A Protestant Richard Lewis, but yes, very, no, yeah. very much so. And I think that that was probably the first person that I'd ever, that I stole from and wanted to be. And it's, there's a question of insincerity in that, I guess, to a degree, like I, his work impacted me, but did it impact me? Like, could I relate to what he was saying or did I choose to make what he was saying part of, uh, part of my life similar to clerks where it's like I knew what it was like to be behind a counter but once I saw clerks I started adopting a lot of their uh, behaviors and, and their stagings like I did little things with leaving change cups out if I had to run an errand similar to the movie and I made sure to have very vocal conversations about comic books or whatever so customers could hear it, it, it it's odd because I wonder what of that is sincere from me and what of that is kind of a, a taking or ripping off. And I know it's forming a personality and that's, that, that's fine and that's good, but it does kind of question like what holds up, you know, what will stand the test of times and, and what kind of is, I don't know, not a waste of time, but how much am I losing myself in trying to be like this film or something? Like, do you have idols? you have inspirations, I assume? Are they within the field that you want to do? Like, do you feel you have comic strip inspirations and comic artist inspirations? Or do they come from music? Or um, No, yeah, definitely growing up, I, I had my comic strips. I, uh, I called it the Holy Trinity of, of Bloom <laughs> County, Farside, and Calvin Hobbes. I mean, you can't go wrong with those three. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely influenced by them. And I guess, yeah, from a comic strip standpoint, you, I'm sure people can recognize the aspects of, of those three. Um, you know, I try and have a surrealist humor like Farside. I try and have uh, childlike humor and, and uh, big. I haven't really gotten into bigger ideas, but I'm, I'm working towards some stuff with like the Calvin and Hobbes. And I think my staging and, and the way I, I draw is very much like Bloom County, uh, at least in my head it is. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's just back to that shorthand of here, you know, some comic strips that people know, I'm going to use that information that I have, uh, to create my comic strip. So people have, a, a an easier time of understanding what it is. And then that could just be the same thing that, that we do as people. It's like, here's some things that other people might recognize I'm going to use that in my life because it's it's part of what I want and what I'm like, and uh, it'll be easier for people to recognize who I am. Seems like there's two. I mean, it makes sense in terms of like as the comic strip example. It was like your education. You had these three comic strips, and you learned from those aspects, techniques, and and, and ways to make a comic strip. And I think that's beneficial and that's healthy and that's good. You're not trying to. I don't think you're not trying to write a new far side or a new Calvin and Hobbes. Like you're not trying to live like that work and to take another step back. I don't think you're trying to live like 
the Berkeley Breathe. Is that how it's pronounced? Bloom County's author? I've never quite known. I, I think it's Breathed. Breathed? Okay. Berkeley Breathed. You know, I, I don't think you're trying no to... It's one of those words that I just don't know how to pronounce it. I've seen it most of my life, and I, I yeah, I, I, I just I don't know how it's said. Yeah. But I think there's there's one thing going on in what you're saying, and I don't think it's... I, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you built who you were out of these comic strips. You built your skill set, and then the comic strips, I think, represent your experience. I don't know if I'm right or wrong in that, or if that's... That sounds about right. Reducing it. Um, the Similar to Clerks, I mean, we're talking about how it impacted me. I think cinematically, as a movie, Clerks was almost has a longer-term impact on me. And maybe to segue into that real quickly before coming back to this... There's something Clerks came out, out, I think, as a movie at the right time for me. I was going into my when I finally saw it, I was going to my third year at Emerson College. I was there because I was told it was a creative school. I was there because I wanted to write, but I didn't really have a direction. I didn't have an angle. I didn't really know what it meant other than say I'm a writer. And then this movie happens and this it, it's um you know, it's a low production aesthetic, it's black and white. Um, it looks like almost anyone could film it. It's all like mostly just single frame shots, not the greatest shots. Um, it's using locations. These people know, you know, they work at this job, so they film at this job and they, they hear, they live at this house. So they film at this house. And there was, there is a sense. And if you do the research, it, it, it's true. The production history, it's true, but there's very much a sense that this was a bunch of friends, non-film professionals who got together with a little bit of ingenuity and equipment and made this movie. And it was a movie that had a very smart script, a very funny script, and a script that obviously came out of a very personal experience, Kevin Smith's experience working at that coffee shop, writing that script, using his language. And so for some reason, that, for me, the movie, in addition to what it was about, how it was made and how it appeared like it was made, was a push to me that I could do this. Like if I saw Clerks now, like I was saying before, I don't think it would have the same impact. If I saw it when I was younger, I don't know if it would have the same impact, but we were at a creative learning institute or whatever, Emerson College. We were at a point of our life where I don't think the idea of a career had struck me. There wasn't this idea of how am I going to support myself. It was just, I want to be a writer. And this is, you know, so I'm a writer by saying it. I'm in college. This is the path I follow. And along comes this movie this critically applauded movie, this actually released in cinemas and now on videotape movie, this movie that I saw and liked made with what looked like, and this sounds like a horrible knock, but I think it's what drove me. It looks like they didn't have any experience yet. They were able to make a movie because of the story. Like from it, I felt like you can have weak acting. You can have poor lighting. The script was strong. Yeah. Watching it today before we talked, I realized the script is very stagey. It's a definite rhythm and everyone pretty much talks the same, but it worked. There was something about that piece of work that felt like anyone can do this and you can do this together, which ultimately 20 years on is how the substitute culture movie came about in in a similar pattern. Um, but that did impact me and it didn't have the immediate resonance, I guess of, um, of what like the storyline did, but there was something to seeing this at the right time, which was right then and there that, you know, I feel like I owe a debt to almost, I don't know if creatively, was there anything about clerks that impacted you? Did it, did, was there this do it yourself nature, which is now available because of digital film and all of that. But at the time would have been very difficult to accomplish. Was any, yeah, of that no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and in fact, uh, I, the following summer, a couple years later, 
Um, I found myself back home after college, and we were a bunch of friends of mine. Uh, we were trying to put some stuff together, and uh, I didn't really uh, think about it at the time, but clearly uh, the knowledge of clerks uh, influenced that, knowing that we could make something in our hometown, uh, who, you know, who knows where it would be, you know, where we would show it or showcase it. I think at the time we were going to put it on our, uh, local access channel. Uh, but we were, you know, getting the, the scripts written. We were putting, it was a, like a sketch show kind of thing that we were going to do. Uh, and so absolutely that influenced, um, um, me and what I felt we were capable of and what was possible. Absolutely. Do you have that feeling now? Like, do you have that urge now to do something like uh, that? Something visual, cinematic, or, or, or stage it, performance? It's definitely coming back. It comes back in waves for me. Um, you know, uh, with with the family and just my own, you know, uh, responsibilities and the sense that I have of of um, what I owe to my family and, and that kind of thing. Um, the job and making money and having health insurance that all kind of comes first. And then I have these, these bursts and these waves of creativity where, um, like I'm, I'm kind of in right now, thankfully, uh, where it's like, yeah, I can do this. It's like, I'm just putting this karmic script together and, and obviously the internet allows for this. It's like, I can put this out here. Um, and my friends will look at it and then other people might look at it. They might share it and then it could build and, I'm just doing it at, you know, a rinky-dink Ikea desk uh, with, with really lo-fi. I mean, like I said, I'm just drawing it, scanning it in. My scanner's not big enough for the art, so i got to scan half of it in and then the other half in and piece it together in Photoshop. And um, I've got my little how-to books to make sure I've, I've, I'm, I'm putting it together right. I know you did that with your filmmaking. I uh, followed your, your, your story and, and how you were teaching yourself as, as you go. I mean, there's, there's a lot that we know, but there's a lot of little things that, that we don't know. And so, yeah, um, I'm, I'm in that phase again, where, uh, a movie like clerks seeing that, uh, gives me the confidence that, that, uh, I can put this together. Yeah. It's, it's a comic strip. It's not a movie, but it's, it's the same kind of creative outlet and, and, uh, uh personal creation that, that, uh, that clerks was for, for Kevin's Smith. surrounded by like, um, like your friends out there. Like you were saying at the beginning, you're with a lot of your friends from college. Are they supportive of that? Or they work, as you're saying, they work in the business differently. You would do as well, but differently in that, I guess you want to be doing comic strips and you're doing comic strips. That's not your job, but you're doing it. So it's your creative life, your creative well being. They, you know, people who are working, writing for TV or whatever, do they understand that do-it-yourself nature aspect? Do they understand or even think about, I guess, do you find yourself from them interested in how you put it together? Or do you find yourself from them, say, they're telling you how to monetize it? They're telling you how to get it seen? Like, what is the general stance of people in the business compared to the work you're doing? Uh, no, yeah, they're, they're definitely, they don't talk about monetizing it or anything like that. They're just mm -hmm. interested in, the, the the creativeness of it they they want to be entertained by it um, I um, back when I was trying to put a push on some of the screenplay stuff um, I would sit down and talk to those folks and and 
we would just talk about the creative process. We wouldn't talk necessarily about how to sell it or anything like that. It was just about creating the, the, the product you want to create, you know, um, uh, and they were very supportive and, um, because we're sort of in different circles, um, I don't really get to connect with them as often as, as I'd like. Uh, and, and when, when we are connecting, it's not necessarily about, uh, our creative, um, um, processes. It's more about, you know, uh, our kids, but, uh, when we are together there, it's, it's just about, uh, supporting each other and advising each other. Perhaps, uh, I got a lot of advice with the screenplay stuff, uh, from people who had, had sold stuff and had agents and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so that was, that's a good thing, I think. That's a, a great thing. I, you know, I'm looking for drama and not finding it. That's, that's good. I think. Yeah. I mean, um, everyone's been pretty supportive. I mean, we've been friends since college, you know, a lot of the, the people that I'm, I'm still friends with, uh, were, we were on comedy troops together. Um, we were on TV productions at Emerson together and, uh, yeah, th- this is a, a good circle of friends and they've supported each other. Um, I'm, I wasn't great friends with, uh, Seth Graham Smith. Uh, but you know, we were all kind of in the same circle and, uh, he has probably of, of the Emerson folks that we went to school with dark shadows the, and things like that. Was that him? What's that? Did he write dark shadows and vampire? Hunter yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. His, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was his first like oh. big break. He wrote that book and he's written that screenplay and uh, he's probably had the most success. He's uh, going to be directing the Flash movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, so he's had the most success and, you know, like I said, I'm not like great friends with him, but in our circle of friends, we had poker, you know, we had poker nights and, and he's at the poker nights with, with these other guys that have written uh, Mega Mind and are writing for Limitless and, and are writing uh, Lego movies and that kind of thing, um, and he's helping out those those other guys. You know, he's um, selling their products, and, and mm-hmm. everybody is helping everybody else to to the extent that they can. So, what was if I can ask you just because I, I I get depressed with this film, and I get depressed with the job, and I get depressed with these two worlds. Can I ask you, I guess, like last year, you're talking about a lot of that. What is at the heart of that then? Because you, you have your support. You have support of, of your friends, it sounds like, and you have your family that you care about. The depression of work, is that what made last year? I mean, because I'm, I'm having the worst time in my perception of an adult life balancing out wanting to do this movie but realizing I have to do other things. And also just the stalling that I'm taking and getting the movie out there because I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it. But it's depressing to me. And I guess we're just now, I don't mean to talk over the question I just asked. I was trying to find a way to make Hollywood a villain in what you were saying. Like your friends are sellouts, but they're not, they sound like great friends. So what is it? It's for me anyway, my depression comes from the regrets of not doing this sooner Hmm. of not putting my all into it earlier um to the point where and that's what they did they put their all into it earlier so that now they can have their successes um and i am 20 years behind that 
Uh, and that gets to me. And I'm sort of in a place where I need to have a real job. Not that screenwriting isn't a real job, but for me, like I have to have this real job with healthcare that is nine to five every day. I don't have to worry that I'm not selling a product or that I'm not selling a screenplay. I don't have to worry that I'm not hired onto a show because I have my real job, so to speak. And my depression comes from uh, that I feel like, not that I am, but I feel like I'm stuck in that. And any ray of creativity um, has been short-lived uh, over the past several years. Like I had a year of writing the screenplay that I got 30 pages into, and I haven't touched it in two years because life takes over. And if I, my, my depression comes from if I had just been writing that in my 20s and doing it in my 20s and not doing anything else, not having this backup plan that I put more focus on uh, of having a real job, uh, that's my uh, podcast air quotes that no one can see, the real job. Um, that, that's, that's where I'm lost in right now. It's like, because I do, I just want to stop the real job and do this comic strip or write the screenplay. Um, and I don't have the time to put into that. And then I get lost in, this isn't who I wanted to be. I wanted to be creative. I wanted to be, I went to Emerson College to write movies and to act and to be in comedy troops. And um, that's not who I am today. It's crushing. No, I, I don't mean to just say I get it because I know everyone's different, but there is this feeling of just having wasted some time. Because here's the, but I don't know how it would be different because honestly, I didn't have a real secure job. You know, I don't know if I've ever had one, so I don't know what I was doing 20 years ago. But yeah, it's, it's, um, and I don't know when that point, when the creative work had to become a job. It seems almost like, like, when did that, when did it suddenly become you've wasted time, you being you, me, or, or, or the people with this feeling? And because I know that's external, that's, or I feel that's external, that's coming from me comparing myself to these other people. But there is an age reality, you know, like tw you just said 20 years, and it's kind of like, even if I, you know, if I hit on something today, that's 20, you know, in 20 years, I'll be 60 versus 40. And, you know, it's like, so there's a span of time. And it is, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's just this trudge to a job knowing your world is around you. And, and I, I'm not going anywhere uplifting with this, I guess, but it is depressing. And, and I, I, I don't know, I don't think there's any way to silence it because I think it's kind of always been there. Like, do you feel like you had similar feelings aimed towards something else when you were younger, like 20 years ago, whatever you were doing, were, were there similar feelings tapped into that for something? Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about, you know, it's a lot, in a lot of ways, it's like I'm just in these moments now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then you're able to do a comic strip that is based on these past 20 years. That's, yeah. that's weird. That's a, that it's like, 
because I understand like the the movie. I selfishly, I'm talking about myself. Sorry, the the movie or the comic strip comes from these. Tim, you talk about yourself all you want. I talk about myself all the time. (laughs) Um, But coming from these 20 years is this work, which is weird to me. It's kind of like what I uh, similar. I think similar to what you were just saying. I wish I'd done a different past these path, excuse me, these past 20 years, but if I had, maybe I'd be writing something. I wouldn't be writing this particular film. I wouldn't have written it. You know, I wouldn't have made it. I mean, I'm at a point now where I am stalling a bit, but a bit, a lot, but I don't know. And I don't know what the balance is. I mean, similar to yourself over 20 years, you could have done a different route, but then you wouldn't have a comic strip about your children and yourself. You'd be doing something. Yeah, it's 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 just a game of supposition and what ifs and and time travel and and not all of that is possible. Yeah, and and it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, it's cliche, but you can't live in the past. You can't regret decisions you've made. Um, I think you can, but, but well, you can, but you shouldn't necessarily. You should take. I mean, you know, this is all. Uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps means that uh, uh, you see on Facebook. It's like uh, something that I would, would latch on to the last couple of years is and I can't think of any specific examples, but um, I really uh, latched on to seeing the memes about some individual that wrote their great work when they were 45 and that nobody knew them before that, and then they, they did their great creative thing and, and uh, had, had a, a creative life. And uh, like I would latch onto that, and I'd be so excited. It's like, oh, my chance isn't over. I can still you know, do the creative thing that I've wanted to do my whole life, whatever that turns out to be. Um, but then I get depressed again because you think about, okay, but they were writing that and doing other things for the 45 years before that, which I haven't been doing. Uh, it's like you can't just turn it on. You you need to be doing it um, as as often as you can, um, and yeah. So I mean, it's like you think about that. You think about you like you were saying. You feel like it's time wasted. And what I'm trying to do now with, with this comic strip and just life in general, and it's like my job and how it took over was like the breaking point of that. It's like for the longest time. I did have windows of opportunity to, to do stuff, and I was doing stuff. Like I said, I had that all-boxed-in comic strip. I had a parenting blog I did. I had a music blog I was doing. Uh, I would uh, start screenplays and, and uh, have writers' meetings and, and do all this stuff. Um, over the past several years, this last year, the job prevented me from doing any of those things. Um, my job has always been very busy. It's deadline driven. I'm, I'm in a, a management position. And so it's my responsibility to make sure those things get done and those deadlines are met. And so to an extent, because the job became, um, busier and, uh, fuller and wasn't necessarily staffed appropriately. I felt the responsibility in that job to go in and put in extra time and do extra things. And I think that's what sort of recently, um, kind of broke my back and and and, and put me over the edge and, and really uh, depressed me and made my life very difficult was that I no longer had the opportunity to do the other things. 
not that those other things would become my life necessarily, but I was really seeing at that time that chance, that opportunity wasn't there. And so for the last 20 years, there was always the possibility that, oh, that this thing that I'm writing might take off or this blog that I'm working on might become popular or this creative outlet might continue for years and years. Um, but this past year, it just sort of hit me that that I was losing those opportunities and I was losing time. And if this was going to become my life, then that other creative side wasn't going to be my life. And that really made it quite a hard year. And I've been working to deal with that um, for, for a long time now. For eight months, nine months, I've, I've like literally been, that's all I've been doing is trying to figure out how to get past that. Wow. And starting this comic strip, which has been great. Like I had a, a comic drawn and ready to go. I wanted to get like 10 or 12 just so I wouldn't feel like finding the time to do it was what was difficult. Well, what I decided to do, I had just one drawing and I put it out there. I posted it and people enjoyed it. People liked it. And that made me draw another one. And that made me draw the next one. And so now it's like, I've been able to do, you know, not a lot, but three a week, three to four a week. Um, which has been fantastic. And I've sort of lost my train of thought on all of this. Uh, but uh, They just took us through 20 years of thought. So then, Yeah, sorry about that. No, I, I, and I'm, I don't know. I know we were, we were talking about a movie, but I think talking create, what you're talking about is at the heart, I think, of... I don't know. It's probably different for everyone. I don't mean to assume, but like for... A lot. What you're saying about time, I think, and it's probably a society thing. I don't know because yeah, these these authors that you read in your memes about who did their work later in life. You know, at this point of time, nobody cares about anything but the work that they did. You know, Harper Lee, who just passed away, wrote two books. Really, only two more than you or I have ever written, and she's remembered really just for one. And not looked at as a failure because that work is what people know. I don't know what it was like to be Harper Lee, but that, and you don't. And that's, that's with any of this art. You don't know what it's like to be the artist. You might think you do from the art, but you don't. So those are nice thoughts to have about T.S. Eliot, you know, worked in insurance and wrote the poems or whatever. I don't know the, the point of it, but it, it, it just being locked in that depression I think it can't comes with age too I don't know for you hitting 40 was immensely devastating to me just because it's a measurement and because I could clearly and coherently remember the 10 years that preceded it unlike previously it just was too short too soon yeah and I'm comparing myself to other friends who are 40 and the ones I keep in touch with and the ones I see and, and other people my age do have the things like a family or they own a house or they have vacation time, you know, or dental insurance, you know, things that, why do I care about these things? Because they're measuring tools, you know, and I'm sure that I, and I'm sure that you have changed over 20 years, but I don't see it because, you know, I've been there the whole time. And maybe that's part of the depression for me there is it's kind of like, I'm not changing, but I don't know what to change into. 
and I'm not sure where I'm going with this other than with what you said, and maybe it's just a momentary reprieve of when it goes up or when it's read, but having the ability to put something out, I guess, which again comes with this technology, you're putting out a comic strip and someone sees it. I guess that is, I don't know if it's a reprieve in the depression or a reminder of the past or what, but there is something important to that. And I don't think, I don't think these moods ever change, you know, or, or go away, but I, I, I think redefining what doing art is maybe and realizing that what you're doing is art by putting it up. I mean, it sounds like that is, that is at least for a moment a feeling that's worth having. It sounds like from what you said, when you put it out there and you do another and it's a coping method and it's an artistic method at the same time. It sounds like it, it sounds like it was a conscious decision. You said eight months ago or whenever it was to start doing this, you know, the way that some people decide to do exercise or, or medication or, or therapy, that this is a form of that, that also, unlike those others happens to have a lasting, um, it's a piece of lasting work, you know, cause 10 years from now when we're 50, you know, these comic strips will be there and there'll be nostalgia for that. And my guess, and I don't know for you, but for me, I'd be like, God, I wish I was 40 again when this was happening, blah, blah, blah. It's just a cycle. But I don't know. That's a good, it's more than an outlet. I'm not reducing it to just a, a therapeutic practice, but there is something, I guess, to that where ultimately I would hope the art is always what it is, but there is this thing locked into success and being successful at what you want to do that I guess creates this art. I'm not sure what I'm saying, quite frankly. I guess I'm trying to, to match the honesty of what you just said, which hit me pretty hard. <laughs> but I don't know. I think you're right. You can't live in the past, but I do. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have a relationship with like I've never had before. So that's a new thing. And we live together and that's good. So I have that. And that's something new that I'm doing well. And that maybe I, that's a good thing. But... I don't know how to balance out this art stuff yet because I'm still in the same mode of thinking that I was 20 years ago, which is just, just think you're an artist and you are, but I'm now physically tired with little to show. I mean, we have the film and I haven't shown it yet. That's a fucking problem. And so that, yeah, merging that, I think there is a huge amount of self loathing and depression that comes from that. This is the plot of Clerks to a degree. I mean, this is this idea of being in a stalled point of life that you inhabit and occupy and your world surrounds and it's not fulfilling. I guess the difference is not settling for it. And it doesn't sound like you ever did. I know I had a period where I did, where I settled for it and took them. I don't remember you as being a martyr or self-pitying like, woe is me. I have always been, it's always been the world's fault, not me. And I think that works for a while, but yes, yeah, similar to that movie, it's sad now at 40 to watch clerks and think this is these people's world because you do have to move on and do something creatively, not just say you're doing it, not just have the big conversations with the big pop culture, pop cultural intellectual uh, references. And I, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I I want you to to get this movie out there. I want I think what I want what I would love to see from Tim is that the the movie gets shown 
and that you make the next one. Make the next one, Tim. That's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if we had been, like I was saying before, if, if I had been doing these things in my 20s and 30s, I'd be making the 10th the one. You know, I'd be on to, you know, I, w- I would have a thousand comic strips done instead of eight or 12 or whatever it is, you know, it's like, and so, yeah, let's, we, we could, we could complain and, and uh, regret what we haven't done, or we could just keep doing. And it doesn't matter that we're 40. Just keep doing. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For, yeah. Uh, for talking about myself. Sure. No problem. Well, and for letting me talk about myself. Yeah, that was, uh, that was good for me. This is, I guess this is what happens when, when two good friends don't talk for 15 years or 10 years or whatever it's been uh, to any extent beyond, hey, how's it going, man? Yeah. This, is, uh, this is what friends talk about. So that was Bob and my first recorded podcast conversation um, for a show I hosted that no longer exists. Uh, We eventually followed it up with 20th Century Pop. Um, We did a test episode in December of that same year, 2016, and and we've been recording the show ever since. (coughs) Also, I made a film? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's called Substitute Culture, and it's on the Not A Holograms website of nahpods.com. So uh, check it out there if you want along with this and any other shows I might be putting out. You can also subscribe to 20th Century Pop there on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and and, and others. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 20popcast. And uh, what else? What else? Um, I guess you can come back next Thursday for a brand new episode, part two of last week's Not Quite a Cliffhanger, wherein Bob and I will be talking about the big screen feature films we've seen enough. Maybe this one was just for me, uh, but I, I, I was happy to find the audio, happy to play it back, and uh, happy to share it with whichever one of you is listening. Uh, talk to you next week in such better audio.